I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I said. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Cardassians, and things to episode 33 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? Well, that's the Muppets and Star Trek. We have been doing one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Dom DeLuise and Star Trek original series episode Mirror, Mirror. So quite an episode we have for you today. That's right. But before we get to the main discussion, Jarman, do we have any feedback? We actually have some unusual feedback. It's kind of fun. Oh, no. Um, so, you know, we use a service for this podcast called Badog- Badalgo Call. Um, so it's, yes. you might not have heard of it because Badalgo is a voiceover um, marketplace where I was one place I had found voiceover jobs in the past. So it's like the people post their jobs there and you audition for them. And it's international, mm-hmm. unlike the ones I use that are just U.S. based. Um, so a lot of com- like companies in Europe trying to find American voices, they use this website. And that's how I found this calling service. And it's a high quality, much better than Skype or Zoom or that kind of thing. That's why we use it for the podcast. because I can get Steve's yeah. voice from uh, from California over here in Florida. I can get his voice in high quality. So we've been using this free call service over a browser for a long time. And all of a sudden I get an email from the founder of Badalgo. Um, oh, Lord. And he says to us, no, I, th- I was scared too at first. He says, um, <laughs> Hi there. I saw that you might have used Badago Call. There was a channel called A Play on Nerds, so I thought you maybe used it. So he apparently found our website and contacted us okay. through the website. He says, in case you did, I hope everything worked fine. Also, I'm the co-founder of Retroplace.com, a marketplace and free collection management tool. I would be flattered if you checked that one out and see if it suits you as a mention on your podcast. My All my best, Armin Harstadter. I think it's how you pronounce the last name. He's from Germany. Um, so what's it called one more time? It's called Retroplace.com. And it's actually a marketplace where they sell people can sell their own um, retro video games. So that's why he thought it'd be appropriate for our podcast. Oh, um, and systems and accessories. Yeah, it's kind of like an like a eBay, but just for retro gaming, which is really cool. All right, here's my my review right now. I'm going to type in an obscure N64 game. Oh, here we go. <laughs> We're going to see what comes up. <laughs> oh, they got it. They got it. Blast cores. Wow. N64. Somebody Multiple has copies, it. including in Germany, the U.S., the U.K. Wow, this is actually really cool. Isn't it a cool service? And what's funny is that I've known about this guy for a long time because he pretty much single-handedly runs this international website. And he's often celebrated in the voiceover community because he doesn't allow super low rates, so it can't be undersold as voice talent. So he's very, people like him a lot in the voiceover community, and he's always been such a nice guy. And so I'd have written him back and said, hey, and I'm sorry we've been using your, your voice service for so long for our podcast, but Steve and I had tried many other voice things that didn't quite work out. Oh, or they, yeah. Or they cost too much, or they were just not as good a quality. They dropped calls. And so Badalgo has just been the most steady one we've had to use. And he was like, no, totally use it for free. It's what's there for. Um, and I luckily, I still pay for the service to be on his website normally. So I feel like I'm not guilty for doing that. But we should <laughs> we should plug him on the podcast because he did find us and took the time to write an email. So, But it's a cool website, too. So Retroplace.com. Yeah, check out Retroplace.com. I'm just scratching the surface, and it looks really, really cool. And also, check out uh, Badalgo Call. 
Yeah, if you're doing podcasts, I highly and stuff, recommend it. We've been using it for years at this point. It's kind of like a little secret, so we don't want the podcast community to know about it. But if you're doing podcasts and you want to take it to the next That's level, true. But I'll go calls there, and he'll eventually start charging for it. <laughs> eventually, but hopefully, he'll will like we'll have some sort of synergistic thing where he'll let us do it for free. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we brought the people to it. That's um, right, the people. <laughs> so not really Muppets or Star Trek related, but it was feedback because of Muppet Trek, us being on Badago all the time that he found us. So. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> it was really okay. funny. Uh, so yeah, so tell us about our guest star this week, Steve, on The Muppet Show. Oh man, Dom DeLuise, a Brooklyn boy who grew up to be a famous actor, chef, producer, and director. He was kind of famous for being famous in the 60s and 70s. He hitched his wagon to big filmmakers like Mel Brooks, and did a bunch of projects opposite of Burt Reynolds right at his height mm. that really kind of took him over the top. What is our generation known from? Well, a little bit later in his career, he uh, hitched on to the Don Bluth animated classic films that a lot of us grew up with and performed in movies like All Dogs Go to Heaven and American Tale and The Secret of Nim. Oh, those movies. Yeah, for sure. But this week on The Muppet Show, on stage, Kermit introduces Dom DeLuise. But first, Miss Piggy has a musical number, uh, Don't Dilly Dally on the Way, a rousing song that even Statler and Waldorf get into. But the crowd is really, really into it, like overly enthusiastic. Kermit comes back out, introduces Dom uh, on the planet Coosbane, where he's greeted by some pink mole-like characters that abuse him and drive him nuts until he is eventually pulled into the ground and becomes one of them. <laughs> Animal then gets a drum solo on stage, a short and sweet, and ends with an unseen drum sounding that he didn't hit. That confuses him. <laughs> Up next is a veterinarian's hospital, where this week the patient is the cow, but we barely get to hear any jokes because Miss Piggy, once again, the audience is like cheering for her and ruining the sketch. We get a few cow puns, and they milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> After this, we get a performance uh, from Slim Wilson and Lou Henrietta's Wedding about a surprise wedding where they don't know who the groom is or where the wedding will be. Following this, we get a performance from Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Don't blame the dynamite. It's a real groovy jam, my man. <laughs> Following this is Dom acting as the director of an institute for rehabilitating monsters. He feeds an ugly monster in a bassinet and then plays the song for something chained to the wall and then throws food across the room at a monster in a cage. This all goes haywire. He eventually loses control of the institute. Mm-hmm. Finally, Kermit brings out Dom uh, for a closing number. Dom asks to bring out a very upset Miss Piggy, who the audience still just cheers wildly for. Although Piggy's down, Dom reminds her, hey, we got us. And that's the closing musical number. A fun number. Backstage this week, most of the plot uh, centers around the fact that Piggy has uh, paid off the audience to cheer for her. And that explains the crazy reactions throughout the show. Even Scooter's in on it. Letting Kermit know that 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 she's got letters from admirers and flowers and candy and stuff being sent to her. I think it's even hinted Kermit, that Scooter's the one who fronted the money <laughs> to pay oh, them yeah. off. <laughs> um, and uh, Kermit eventually brings this out of Scooter and lets Piggy go. She is she basically begs to come back, and Kermit says, "Well, I can bring you back, but it'll be at a lower rate because if you have all this money to pay the crowd, you obviously don't need my money." Ugh, it's pretty cold, man. <laughs> it's pretty cold. Um, at the closing, Kermit thanks Dom one last time. They thank the audience members who weren't paid off. Piggy comes out and threatens to physically assault her employer. And that is what we call the Muppet Show. <laughs> yes. Jarman, what do you think of this week's episode? So I think it goes to show how much um, 
audience participation can influence how much you enjoy something. Because mm-hmm. when Miss Piggy's song first started, I was like, oh, this is one of those nor- typical songs they kind of do, which is kind of just there and kind of eh, boring. But then the audience starts getting really into it. And I found myself like, you know what? I like this number. I like this number a lot. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I realized it's just like a bland kind of, you know, old song. But I really made me enjoy it more watching Statler and Waldorf sing it. And, uh, and well, yeah, I think that's one of the other things. You so rarely get to see those two actually enjoy the show that when it happens, it's extra enjoyable. And rarely it's only when like a guest is performing, then they'll they'll enjoy a guest, but they will never enjoy just the Muppets by themselves. <laughs> yeah. So it's, now it's, these uh, you'll see the the theme and I've seen even this for this, all these like old time music hall songs. That gets really them going. Into. Yeah, that's true. Which makes sense. From their youth as young men. <laughs> Which they never were. Um, and I thought the alien scene was a bunch of fun. We've had some duds from that alien planet. What's it called? The planet? Coosbane. 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 Yeah, we've had some dud sketch sketches from there, but this one was a lot of fun, especially when he falls in and becomes one himself and is like, <laughs> Yeah, it was good. And it really showed off Deloise's like, you know, physical humor and stuff like that. He's so good at that. He really got to play it big and oh yeah. He's just ridiculous. Um and the Henrietta's wedding song i really enjoy because i'm kind of a fan of those folksy prairie home companion kind of songs and that really felt like yeah, one of those definition yeah and so it was really it just was enjoyable and good harmonies and um not often do they have a female voice actually singing with the male voice so i think you said there's like true. only one person who does a female voice in the muppets yeah there's like two or three okay there's like two or three um not many and of course the monster shelter thing was just hilarious uh, the Oh, yeah, just Dom getting to run around the room and go crazy. Like his heart rate must have been through the roof after that was over. Um, So, yeah. That's all the cocaine. (laughs) Probably. But overall, I mean, I love Dom DeLuise from his Mel Brooks movies. And this was he's such a good fit for the Muppets. I think he fit it right in his little bit of singing talent and the rest of his physical comedy. It was just one of the top episodes in this season so far, if not of what we've seen thus far, two seasons. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, this was good. I felt like they really boasted that Dom was like a singer and performer and blah, blah, blah. But we only got the one real musical number for him and it wasn't that good. That's true. I didn't, I didn't see him as really as a full singer. That's the thing. Like he literally said it out loud. They like, not only is he yeah. a comedian or performer, but a singer and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, oh, Dom DeLuise can sing. Like I was real excited. And then we got to, we got us and I was like, Oh, all right. he kind of talks singed half of it. You know, kind of did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in that way, I think like they didn't stretch. I'm honestly missing, um, like the talk spot. That's true. Does that come back in these seasons? Maybe different variations, iterations of it, but I miss having those, those slower, quieter moments. That's just a dialogue. Yeah. Take a break from the action that's happening and just kind of sit down. Um, so we'll see, maybe they'll replace that in some way. But I kind of miss it this season. Yeah, I thought that was a staple. I thought I remember seeing a lot more production stills of other celebrities sitting there just by on the stage by themselves with Kermit. So I can't remember. Maybe they revamp it. I think I it comes don't back. Remember. We'll get to it. I'm glad you don't remember. So it can be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Muppet Music this week. Don't Dilly Dally on the Way, sometimes called My Old Man. It's another musical song made famous by Mary Lloyd. Piggy's performed a few of her other songs on the show. Funny story about Mary Lloyd. She was engaged with this guy named Dylan. And they were traveled to the U.S. to do this tour. And he did all of their paperwork as Mr. and Mrs. Dylan, but they didn't actually get married. Hmm. They get to America. They show her ID and they realize that she is not Miss Dylan. So they take them to Ellis Island and put them under investigation. Hmm. They both get charged with crimes under what's called the White Slave Act, which was an early act put in place to stop the human trafficking of women into the U.S. Oh, that's a good thing. 
They both had to pay a $300 fine and make agreements that they would not live with each other while they were in the U.S. Unusual. Henrietta's wedding by Marie and Miranda. Marie was a classic violinist from South Africa uh, who found fame when record companies suddenly needed people to record in Afrikaans. He was then approached about translating Afrikaans songs into English, and then he met a, a Dutch immigrant named Miranda, and they performed as a duo for nearly 30 years. Oh, interesting. This one's weird. Don't Blame the Dynamite, written by Donald George Sambugue. <laughs> really had to dig for this one. He graduated from Tufts and spent some time as a production manager on Broadway shows like O Calcutta. And then he was a studio carpenter for Montel Williams. Weird. Somehow he wrote this song. There's also reference that he wrote songs that were formed on Sesame Street, but I can't find any record of that. Weird. Aside from the fact that uh, in his obituary, his family says it. But I can't find a record anywhere else. That is very strange. He was like a set carpenter for Montel Williams one, and then writes him. songs. This one was definitely him. Don't blame the dynamite. So it's weird. I don't know how it happened. That was the Dr. Teeth one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we Got Us by writer Walter Marks, the musical Golden Rainbow, which is the story of a man raising his son alone in Las Vegas, who then falls in love with his widow's sister who comes to visit. <laughs> Uh, Walter Marks, however, better known for writing the old crooner standard, I've Got to Be Me. Hmm. He also wrote We Got Us. Gotcha. Jarman, what's your favorite Muppeteering moment this week? I was thinking about it. It has to be a tie between, I'm sorry if that's stealing one of yours, but the aliens popping up and then the big monster scene because both just required a lot of coordination and timing. Um, And yeah, just that must have taken a lot of takes or they're just that good at what they do. So both very impressive. I'm going to go with the the alien, the Merladop, just because I'm finding that I, I'm extra impressed when it's a bunch of people under a floor. Yeah, especially when they he put his hand under it and someone else's hand went up with the same watch on, you know, like that was really impressive. Right, right. The coordination, all those gags just take just took a ton of coordination. Oh, it's yeah. Really impressive. I agree. So, German, tell us about the original series episode we watched this week. All right. So we have a big one that most even somewhat Trek fans will be aware of Mirror Mirror, which introduces us to the long running um, repetitive thing of the mirror universe in Star Trek, which still exists to this day on new Star Trek series. Uh, Spoilers. Uh, So anyways, we start off with Kirk, McCoy, Scotty and Uhura, who are on the planet Hulkin trying to convince them to let them mine their dilithium. But they refuse, saying that they can't take the chance that it could eventually be used for evil. And Kirk is disappointed, but he agrees to leave them be, which surprises them. But they're like, hey, we're Starfleet. We don't do that kind of thing. So keep your dilithium. Um, Then at the same time, the planet is experiencing a really bad magnetic storm. So just as the crew tries to beam up to the Enterprise, something goes wrong. And they are instead beamed onto the Enterprise in a mirror universe. Whoa. They don't know that yet, but everything (laughs) looks different. They have different uniforms. And Spock has a goatee. They should know that pretty quick. They know something's wrong. Yeah. Um, as they arrive, Mirror Spock tells Kirk that they are about to barrage Hulkin with missiles as punishment for not handing over their dilithium. Um, and they're going to tie it over to what's now known as the Terran Empire and not the Federation. So they obviously immediately know something's wrong. Um, and thankfully, the Prime Universe crew keeps their mouth shut, even though they realize something is terribly wrong. And Kirk manages to convince Mirror Spock not to d- devastate Hulkin just yet and to tell the Enterprise crew to follow him to the sick bay so they can assess what's going on and figure out what's happening. Um, so 
They figure out they've been sent to an alternate universe due to the magnetic storm and the transporters, and they figure out that they will have a small window very soon to transport back to their own universe, and they'll have to coordinate it carefully without being found out by their mirror universe counterparts. So it's a very dangerous game. But Mirror Spock is very suspicious of Kirk ordering a delay in the destruction of the Hulkins, so he contacts Starfleet, which tells him that if Kirk does not destroy the Hulkins after this delay, then Spock is to kill him and take his place. So there's even more of a time crunch. So back in the real Enterprise, though, which is a kind of funny scene, um, you see Mirror the bad Kirk, Uhura, Bones, yeah, and Scotty. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty abrupt and funny. Yeah, that's like a real short scene. I hope they, I wish they would have shown more of like. Get your hands <laughs> off me! <laughs> They're like immediately infuriated, barbaric, crazy. And so they immediately are found out and Spock takes them all and puts them in the brig. So they're pretty much handled on that end. Um, but back in the Mirror Universe, Kirk is nearly killed when Mirror Chekhov and his henchmen try to ambush him and they try to kill him so he can, you know, everyone can move up in ranks. So they kind of move up in ranks like the Klingons do, which you'll find out later on down the line. Um, but thankfully, some other crewmen uh, take down Chekhov's men that, who are hoping to gain Kirk's favor by saving yeah, him. Kirk's personal guard or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Real weird. But uh, he just knocks that guy out and says, no, I'm not giving you any credit for this. You were helping him out. So Kirk gets back to his quarters and he finds a beautiful woman there, Marlena, uh, who calls herself the captain's woman. Um, and apparently she and Mirror Kirk were in a relationship. But when regular Kirk shows her lots of kindness and making it makes her a lot of very suspicious of him. Um, but at the same time, she's like, I don't know what's changed in him, but I'm having these feelings towards him, which will be important. I like later. how he hits me less. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Um, and while he's there, she shows him a device in his quarters that apparently he got from some alien race later earlier on that lets him monitor anyone in the ship and he can make them disappear and basically kill them at his own at will. So it's a pretty awesome device, but he tells her not to use it on anybody and he has some big plan. So he tells her just to hold off. So Kirk goes engineering to help uh, set up their plan for escape. But Mirror Spock notices that he's tinkering and engineering and catches him there. And takes him to sickbay, where the rest of the Prime Universe gang are all hanging out waiting for Kirk. And they immediately try to attack uh, Mirror Spock, and it takes all of them to take him down because he's a strong Vulcan. But eventually they take him down, and he's injured so badly that Bones says he's not going to leave until he makes sure this Mirror Spock is stable and not going to die. Um, it's taking him forever. So Bones just tells him, go ahead and go to the, the transporters. I'll meet you there in five minutes. But of course, once they leave, Spock wakes up and he forces a mind meld on Bones. And that way he learns who they really are and what their plan is, which is a pretty cool scene. But it's also mind rape, you know, whatever. Um, so Mirror Spock, a little, a little bit, Mirror Spock takes Bones to the transporter room and he helps the crew get back to their own universe because he wants his regular captain back. But before they leave, Kirk tries to reason with Mirror Spock, trying to convince him that this empire system is illogical and it will eventually fail. And Spock kind of agrees um, and that Kirk says it only takes one man to start a revolution and that he could be that man. Um, and Mirror Spock says he'll consider what he says. And then he transports him back to his own universe. And at last, they uh, all get back on the regular bridge of the real Enterprise. And after making fun of Spock for a while, uh, a new yeoman enters the bridge. And to Kirk's surprise, it is Marlena from the other universe, but it's her copy in this universe. Um, and she just transferred to the enterprise and Kirk seems very taken with her, but we never see her again. <laughs> so that's the end of mirror mirror. So what did you think of that one, Steve? So there were, I thought this was a very, very strong episode. And while I don't think it's the best episode so far, I can think of one or two. I like better than it. It's definitely up there. Mm. And I think this is the best they've done of 
showing us and not telling us. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. And they had a lot of major impact with very slight changes that made the picture complete in this other universe, which was very impressive. And they established it very quickly. The insignias, you know, even just seeing that insignia, like the sword coming down, like, you know, that there's a difference there. Right. The darker light, even them just take making the lighting darker, minor uniform differences, more skin being shown. What's the booth like? The yeah, they're to mention the booth. They have the um the pain oh, the booth. punishment booth. Yeah, <laughs> but not only that, like the punishment badge, and like when the guy screws up and Spock disciplines him immediately, everyone has a weapon on. Like that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's doing formal saluting. They did a lot of rapid fire small things that added up to a big picture that established very quickly what we were getting into, and it was really impressive. They did a really good job. Mm-hmm. It took must have a lot of budget for this episode, I imagine, because just all the all the slight differences. New costumes. But some of them were smart and small, though. Right. Because think of it, because chances are like that, you know, that insignia was probably a stencil. Yeah. And it's add a sash to their costume and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they added a sash to the costume. Uh, it doesn't cost anything to change lighting. Right. You know, and all and it all added up to this real good picture. Um. There were some really good, funny moments I really enjoyed between uh, Bones and Kirk after Kirk gets ambushed and he goes to the, the medical bay. Bones says, what's that? It's called blood. <laughs> it, was just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was real Doctor. good. Uh, I love the back on the Enterprise. They just have it under control. Like, I loved that. That was such <laughs> a good, funny cut. Like, you don't laugh that much in Star Trek, but I laughed at, at that moment. Oh, good. Uh, it was interesting realizing that that in the movies is not the first time that McCoy has been mind melded by a Spock. That's true. I, I thought Maybe about that not too. Maybe not Spock in his universe, but a Spock. Mm-hmm. He's been there before. Things I disliked that were harder, more difficult. If the universe was so vastly different, and I'm talking about like societally different than the ship, there's no way the ship would be exactly the same. Right. They would need more room for the murder ball courts or something. And it would push so like so the fact that they're like everything's exactly the same except outs captain was like no that's not that's just not possible it would look like a Klingon ship more likely uh, the Kirk and Sulu fight was such a letdown and it was so quick <laughs> I thought we were gonna get to see like a, a real Kirk Sulu fight and Kirk like grabs his arm and chops him and he's like disabled it was nothing <laughs> the Kirk chop Kirk Fu <laughs> um. And it's hard to imagine. So with this society that they set up in this, this like evil bizarro universe about like, oh, when one the big one falls, two of us get to rank up and blah, blah, blah. Like the Kirk would get there and no one would be recognizable. Everyone would have been like killed or betrayed. There'd be so much turnover that no one would know how to do anything. <laughs> because everyone would always be moving to a new job because someone got betrayed or killed or well, disappeared. Funny. They've made that argument about the Klingons because in future, like next generation, it's established that they have that system and the Klingon ships that if you kill your superior officer, you become that position, um, which you're right. Like it would cause chaos. <laughs> so, like, Not uh, just chaos, but like, <laughs> but just like, a, like nobody would know how to do anything. Yeah. 
Nobody. And maybe that's like the joke in all of this. And that's why the, the humans in the Federation always have an edge over the Klingons is because the Klingons keep killing off their most experienced people. <laughs> I would totally agree with that. Over and over and over again. <laughs> it's not effective. It's always the young and stupid and ambitious ones that are in charge of the Klingons. <laughs> taking chances. <laughs> <laughs> killing people, taking ranks, getting killed. <laughs> That's true. Um, so there were a few harder to swallow pills in here, but overall, I can easily say that this is very quickly in my top three episodes. Nice. Yeah, I was saying, I think what I noticed, too, is there wasn't really like a, a lot of lull moments like there are in other episodes where they repeat things no. or there was Pacing no was great. Yeah, no boring moments. Um, every moment the only meant something. Slow, the only slow moment was when um, they got to her and him in his quarters. I kind of like that it slowed down a little bit there. It, she was hot. <laughs> I was fine that it slowed down. I wish there would have been more cutaway. Mm. And that's something more reminiscent. They did a lot of that in season one, these like long scenes in Kirk's quarters. Right. They're just slower and weird. And we haven't seen a lot of it in season two until this point. I feel like this is one of the ones. And you're right. They I could have remember. cut away to something else and then come back to that scene. It would have felt just less- anything. And I think maybe that's the failure of the B plot mm-hmm. um, from back on the real enterprise. Maybe they shouldn't have gotten them under control so quickly. Yeah, or at least got cut back and the other crew was trying to escape from the brig or something. They could have done right, that. Or, or caused some additional mischief before they were caught. Whatever. Yeah. So maybe that was just a failure of the B-plot. I agree. Um, I thought also a great episode for Ahura in particular. She had a lot to do and, and a lot of lines and she was a badass and she just took charge. And I thought it was pretty Seductress cool. Yeah. And she looked good. They set that, they set that up a little bit hard, but I'm glad they at least paid it off. Right. And also even everyone else had a moment too. Sulu check off. Um, just everyone had their own. Oh, I love moments. that. This was the first time that you didn't, the check off wasn't like the worried little boy. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like in every episode before this, he's been the worried under crewman. <laughs> and he's supposed to be played pretty young, but it's good that he took charge in the scene. He's like he was trying yeah, to stay. That was really nice. Yeah. So I think we overall favorable reviews for both of these things. Um, these episodes. Oh, yeah. So trivia for Mirror Mirror. Uh, it took about a month to complete this particular episode. After filming had begun, Barbara Luna, um, who played uh, Marlena, was diagnosed okay. with strep throat. And uh, since oh. the script called for her to kiss Captain Kirk, they had to postpone the kissing scene for three weeks until she was medically cleared since they couldn't risk William Shatner getting infected. And that's a long time to to put off shooting. Um, That probably cost a lot of money, too. Um, Star Trek was not usually allowed to show women's navels. Um, Neither was any other show at the time, actually. That was a big thing. Barbara Eden on I Dream a Genie never showed her belly button. There were two bellies shown here. Yeah. And so reportedly, this was accomplished by filming while a PA took the standards and practices representative to lunch while they filmed those scenes. (laughs) (laughs) So they get that sneaky navel in there. Take them out for a steak and a lap dance. Keep them out of the studio for a few hours. (laughs) Exactly. It was a different time. Uh, Actor Vic Perrin. Uh, played Tharn, who was the uh, the original guy in charge of the the Balkans, the Nalkins, whatever they're called. Oh, the beginning. yeah. He did the voice of Nomad in the previous episode in The Changeling. Oh, very cool. So it's kind of neat. Um, this inspired the name of the progressive alternate rock band called Spock's Beard, which apparently is a thing. Uh, <laughs> I want to listen to them now. And this is the second time we hear Bones say, I'm a doctor, not a... Um, where he says, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. And what's funny yeah. is that Bryce Dallas Howard in her character in Terminator Salvation says the same thing. I'm a doctor, not an engineer, oh. probably in deference to this episode. So just a little trivia there for uh, Mirror Mirror. So do we have nice. any Trek connections this week, Steve? Okay, man. Do I? 
<laughs> so Bravo Profiles, which was the first thing produced by the Bravo Network when it came into existence in 2001, oh, wow. the first profile was on Gene Wilder and included interviews from both Dom DeLuise and Leonard Nimoy. Oh. <laughs> uh, in a 1992 review of Star Trek Undiscovered Country, the reviewer likened Shatner and Christopher Plummer's acting to Dom DeLuise and Delta Burke being put in charge of a, of a plate of Twinkies. <laughs> In regards to how much they were chewing the scenery. Oh, my God. That's really offensive in many ways. Right? That <laughs> was a review, like in a paper. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, Dom DeLuise. So, then the, so the Dom, the uh, Bluth uh, film classics really opened up a lot of doors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for The Secret of Nim, Dom DeLuise played the voice of Jeremy and the voice of Martin. The son was played by a young Will Wheaton. Nice. Uh, in A Troll in Central Park, uh, Don DeLuise played the troll, but Philip Glasser um, played uh, the young boy, Gus, in it. But he was also in Star Trek Insurrection. He was in a deleted scene, unfortunately, uh, where a, and he played a young version of F. Murray Abraham's character. Oh, I see. Gotcha. Uh, and F. Murray Abraham, as we remember, made a cameo in Muppets from Space. That's true. Bam. Look at all those connections. Uh, and then in an American tale, Dom DeLuise played Tiger, and then Christopher Plummer played uh, Henri, uh, and he was also in Star Trek Six. What do you know? Bam. And he chewed the scenery. It's so weird because I was, I was putting my girlfriend to bed tonight. Uh, she was watching, uh, what do you call it? Not Rift Tracks, but the other one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And Christopher Plummer yeah. was in one of the movies. It was called Firehead, <laughs> and it was terrible. Nice. <laughs> yes. So do we have any similarities between these two episodes? I mean, I mean they're basically the same episode. Let's it, just be real. Of course. We all saw it. We all saw it. We were all there. <laughs> uh, so Dom DeLuise has to successfully become one of the aliens that he is fighting against. Just like Kirk has to try to blend in with the familiar and aliens he finds himself surrounded by. That was one of mine. <laughs> Bam. Uh, both have people talking about moving. Um, the captain's woman talks about having the yeoman coming to move out her things when she's pissed off with mm-hmm. Kirk and Piggy sings a song about a moving van. Okay. Yeah. Uh, both feature someone trying to further their position. Piggy via her clever ruse and paying the audience and check and Sulu via sabotage and insurrection. There we go. And in that same vein, I have both women, both have a woman kicking ass, Ahura kicking a lot of ass in this episode, mm-hmm. and Piggy, as usual, beating people to death. Just beating her <laughs> employers and physically assaulting people. As she always does. Oh, now I hear oh, something. What the hell's that Transporter noise? malfunction. Transporter <laughs> malfunction. All right. It's part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? Uh, so I've got the Merlodops from the planet Coosbane coming over and replacing the entire Bizarro crew. <laughs> and all the Merlodops would have would have goatees. Perfect. And visually, it'd be really funny for Kirk and McCoy and Scotty and her to come off the transporter surrounded by these things and then have Kirk be like, I think something's off. <laughs> what is it, though? It's weird. Merlodop. Merlodop. Spock seems strange. Merlodop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be amusing. Um, I miss Piggy trading places with the captain's woman uh, because it's very much in her character of trying to always please Kermit. Same kind of thing. She's trying to please Kirk and make him be stay the captain's woman because that's what she deserves as a queen as she is. Uh, nice. That's true. She does deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, Trek to Muppets. I've got Scooter being replaced by Bizarro Spock with the goatee <laughs> playing the straight man to Piggy as he's taking care of all these things for her only to to stray and betray her at the end to advance his own position. <laughs> Mine was very similar because I had evil Spock trading places with Kermit in this episode okay. because Kermit was really cold and calculating with Miss Piggy in this episode. So it, fit, it really was that yeah. play at the end was cold. It fit really well with the uh, evil Spock. So I think that worked out pretty well. Okay. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of episode 33 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Teresa Brewer. And original series episode, The Apple. So, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Thank you.